Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Art the Dietitian and your fellow registered foodie. So, um, I know in my last uh, podcast, I talked a little bit about cholesterol and the dietary guidelines, but the dietary guidelines are officially out now. So, the new dietary guidelines are out, and they they give us guidelines on how to eat. And one of the biggest things that they crack down on, um, and I'm kind of quoting using the word crackdown, I'm quoting an article that I read, is that they're cracking down on sugar. So one of the biggest things that they focused on in these new dietary guidelines is that they're saying Americans eat too much sugar. (laughs) So um, I think the average um, American eats anywhere between 22 to 30, 32 or something like that, teaspoons of sugar a day. And they are recommending that we pretty much cut that in half down to like 10 or 12 teaspoons. Um, so that that is huge. Um, I think that, yeah, I mean, they tried doing it with the whole uh, soda and things like that. But I guess, you know, we Americans in general pretty much have a very strong sweet tooth. So, um and I, I personally have a sweet tooth too. <laughs> but of course, um, you just once again have to be mindful of the foods that you're eating, you know. Of course, everybody enjoys a cookie. Everybody enjoys a cake. Everybody, uh, you know, enjoys ice cream. So, of course, it's not to discourage anybody from eating that. This is my opinion now, not going off the guidelines. Um, really, uh, I don't want to discourage anybody from not eating the foods that they enjoy, but also just being aware of the foods that you eat. It's, uh, you know, that's my thing. Awareness, conscious eating, mindful eating. Um, so that was um, pretty, uh, pretty obvious, I would say, <laughs> a pretty obvious crackdown um, to... Uh, to put in um, dietary guidelines, you know, some uh, a big stance because I think that's one of the biggest culprits to our o- obesity epidemic is that we are just overconsuming and the sugars that were, you know, the sodas, everything has sugar in it, and all that stuff. So I, I yeah, I, I I would like to um, say that I agree with that um, and and say that it's good that they're cracking down on sugar. Um, but one thing that's kind of odd uh, that was pointed out in the article that I read. And I read several articles, but on this in this particular article, they mentioned uh, what little they um, talked about with the consumption of red meat. So um, that is very interesting because uh, the World Health Organization just you know put out their stance and things on um, the studies showing the link between cancer and processed meats, and then we already know the link between red meat and cardiovascular disease. So, really, a huge thing that um, that was surprising that they didn't really um, mention a whole lot. But the thing is, as I read they in this article, they were quoting things out of the new dietary guideline you really have to read into it to realize that yes they are still saying to um reduce your red meat intake and they're using things like um switch to different protein foods so seafoods and nuts and things like that so they do say that and they do mention it but you really have to look at the wording and how they're saying it to realize that yes they do want you to reduce red meat so um, you might hear some clicking. I ho- hopefully it doesn't come through 
too much, but uh, I do have a couple of things pulled up on my computer that I wanted to share with you, so that way we could read through this, and I can probably get my numbers a little bit more correct. <laughs> um, so this is off of the NPR website, the eating and health um, section, and it says right here, so going back to the sugar, I'm jumping all over the place, aren't I? <laughs> but anyways, just going back to the sugar. Uh, a lot of Americans, this one says, as we've reported, lots of Americans consume up to 22 teaspoons a day. To meet new 10% target, they need to cut their sugar intake by nearly half to no more than 12 teaspoons a day on a 2,000 calorie diet. So, there you go. Um, over the past five years, a growing body of evidence has linked high levels of sugar consumption to increased risk of type 2 diabetes and heart disease, even among Americans who are not overweight or obese. So, yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious. If you're eating all those muffins, those sugar-filled muffins, sugar-filled yogurts, all those things, I, I mean, it sh should be kind of obvious that it's probably linked to some kind of health effects. It could be your weight gain, and then with weight gain, obviously, there are the um, health issues that come along with overweight and obesity. So... Really good, really glad that they are talking about the sugar recommendation. Let's see here. And see how they give the numbers. But here with the protein, um, let's see here. This one, um, yeah, like I was saying, um, instead, this, and once again, reading, instead the, instead, the guidelines emphasis a shift towards other protein foods. So including more nuts and seeds and about 8 ounces of seafood per week based on a 2,000-calorie diet. So, I mean... Yeah, a shift towards other protein foods. Okay, um, let's be a little more concise. Let's be a little bit more specific. Um, at least the American Heart Association says eating um, uh, fatty fish twice a week. So there is some guideline. I mean, a little bit more specific guideline uh, to guide people um, as to what they should be consuming for a health for you know a healthy diet. Let's see here. Um, Reduce overall intake of protein foods by decreasing intakes of meat, poultry, and eggs. So, let's see here. Yeah, nothing really specific. It's not as clear as you would think. Um, um, but, you know, it still shows that they want you to reduce your um, red meat intake. Uh, let's see. Oh, and... And I love and and food is so directly linked to the environment. I mean, I I just don't understand why the um, dietary guidelines and why these people didn't want to include, or you know, the people who are in charge of creating the dietary guidelines um, did not include sustainability. I know there's politics involved and all that stuff, but I mean, come on now. Um, everyone needs to drive to work and things like that. So, but you know, manufacturers, um, let's see here. They can do things with the cars to help with the environment. Everyone needs to eat and, and they, and they do things, you know, so why not include food? Everyone needs to eat. And so these people, um, that are making our food for us, the farmers, the growers, all these things, why not add a little, um, topic about sustainability you know and then even us ourselves you know the way we eat the the foods we consume include some kind of 
hint that the foods are directly linked to our environment. I, I, it's really, it's really sad to see that they did not include sustainability into the dietary guidelines. Um, really a shame. And then, you know, as I read through all the comments, um, on this particular page, everybody's talking about how, uh, Let's see here. This one, it's a shame that we, the people, allow the beef industry to dictate what we eat as far as a governmental dietary guidelines go. So that that kind of set the tone for the rest of the com- comments here on there. Um, and of course, I, I do believe that that has some validity to it because I why not? Why not add things about sustainability? Why not put specific guidelines on to reducing red meat and things like that because we are just over consumed yeah they put the numbers in there about the males and females and their consumption of red meat and how it's really high but I mean some people just some people might not understand the graph some people just might glaze over the graph people aren't really looking into it they want to read something very specific and concise and some people mention that these dietary guidelines are for meant for health professionals you know but, I mean, come on, mm, give us a little bit more guidance on these things because it's something that we can, well, yeah, we can use evidence-based studies and studies show this, studies show that, but come on now. This is put out for all of us to see. Not everybody looks at such detailed research studies, but everybody does can and can really look at this um dietary guideline and look at what's going on whether you're a health professional or not so I mean I don't know just really upsetting that they didn't add something like that um and something that's so national a national dietary guideline (laughs) um but yeah so oh and then going back to the cholesterol thing so once again, they're just showing that, you know, uh, the intake of dietary cholesterol really doesn't have a big effect on um, on your blood on your blood cholesterol. But once again, you have to think about what foods that you're eating. What are the foods that you're eating that contain the cholesterol? You know, they're high in saturated fats and things like that, which once again are linked to. Um, cardiovascular disease so there you go you have to watch what you eat it's not a free-for-all kind of thing just because they're showing that dietary cholesterol doesn't affect because you have to think about everything else that's in that food high in saturated fats was it cooked in um, butter was it uh, was it um, deep fried and things like that all those things go into account also you can't forget about that Um, but when it comes to eggs uh, going back just to say again, eggs, yeah, if you ate an egg a day, and of course, depending on how you cooked it, but if you ate an egg a day, um, shouldn't really affect your cholesterol, uh, but definitely have to take into account everything about that, about what's going in that egg, and other maybe health issues that you might be having, you might want to still try to limit your eggs, um, let's see here, so, looking me open my phone I take a lot of notes on my phone so I want to open up my phones here uh my phone here for the notes um 
I think that's pretty much all I wanted to say about uh, the dietary guidelines right now. Um, I have to look more into it and actually read the guidelines. I, I read a lot of um, articles on it. And so right now my opinions are just based on those articles. But um, but that's, I mean, they're legit articles. And I know that they're giving out uh, good information. Um, let's see here. Um, just so I can switch over uh, a little bit, but it still ties into what I was just talking about, about how we need to be more conscious, more mindful about the foods that we're eating. Um, anyways, one of my biggest supporters of this podcast um, is my aunt. And I, I you know, uh, we every time I meet up with her, we talk about it. She listens to my podcast. We talk about the things that, uh, the topics that I talked about on that, on, on that on any episode, you know, and we, um, I, I get new ideas. So I really enjoy talking with her about it. And I, of course I love her and appreciate that she's, um, even listening and able to contribute, um, to my podcast and to, um, a good conversation about food, nutrition, health, the world, environment, all that stuff, life. And, um, one of the things that she brought up was that, um, about that mindful eating, that whole uh, exercise where you, when you eat, you think about the food, the people who prepared it and all that stuff. And um, one point, one good point that she made about that, which um, I, it's amazing that I'm, I'm glad she gets, I, I might not say things straight out, but um, in the end, I hope that that's what people are getting out of the, these little talks that I'm giving out. Um, through this podcast and one of the things she said is that yeah you do it does help with life you know um, thinking about the people who make the food and all that things but one side thing that it does a byproduct is that it slows down your eating which is awesome because you know it when we slow because it takes about 20 minutes for the food to hit your stomach to hit your brain and say you know I'm full and all this all this stuff and so I if you're thinking about all these things, you're also slowing down, chewing more, slowing down, uh, you know, not going bite after bite after bite. You know, you might take a little time in between bites, actually, to think about things. And so that's one of the reasons why you might actually also get more satisfied with the food with your eating, not only because you were thinking about it and appreciating more of what went into get that food, but also just the fact uh, physiologically um, you're just slowing down and you're getting and you're feeling that fullness from the food that you're eating. So you might actually eat uh, a good amount and be more in tune with your body and realize when you're full and when you're not full. So I think that was a great point and um, a really good um, point that my aunt made. And I really appreciate her bringing it up to me so that way I could talk to you guys about it. Um, really awesome. Uh, so that's my take on mindful eating another thing that uh, came up as I was talking because family was around us so as I was conversing with my aunt um, we ended up talking a little bit more about that whole meatless Monday and things like that so one thing I I don't know if it's already out there or not um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's already made up but um, one thing that I liked so as I was saying earlier with the whole fish um, you know eating it at least twice a week for that heart healthy fat um, is that my brother-in-law uh, 
uh, we were saying Meatless Monday, and then he came up with Fish Friday because we were talking about fish. So he said Fish Friday. So I think because I know I know a lot of people, um, at least um, from the people that I've talked to, you know, in in the hospital and things like that. Some people aren't really too fond of um, a fish. You know, they don't eat a whole lot of fish. Um, that's one of the things when I ask about food preferences, one of the things is like no fish. That's, that's, um, more common than not. And so having a fish Friday, uh, just to get you at least eating once a week of fish is pretty good if you aren't eating fish at all. So I, I think that a fish Friday is a great idea. Um, a good alternative to those, uh, to red meats and going off of the dietary guidelines and making a shift towards other protein foods so i think that was awesome so that was really um great um i i I might look it up later on and see if there is a fish friday kind of thing but i definitely want to if i can maybe coin the term (laughs) credits to my brother-in-law jasper so um really uh really like that idea so just getting out there and talking with my family, with friends and things like that, it's awesome. It gives me good inspiration, gives me good ideas, great ideas. Uh, I really enjoy it, so I like it. And then just putting these podcasts together also keeps keeps me motivated to stay up on um, nutrition f- food news and things like that, the latest and greatest fad and whatnot. So I really enjoy um, talking about this stuff. Because it not only helps me professionally, but uh, spiritually, and it gets me um, conversing with family, which I think is kind of a lost art. Um, that's one of the biggest things. Uh, I think, uh, so I'm just going to riff off of that, what I just said last. And I, I remember in um, one of the other podcasts I was listening to, I forget, it was um, might have been The Fighter and the Kid Shouts, and um, maybe... I don't know. It might have been that one. That's one of the biggest ones I listened to. Anyways, they were mentioning about conversation and how it's becoming a lost start. I think that's why a lot of people, and I agree with them, and they said that's why they think a lot of people are listening to podcasts nowadays um, because it gives you that kind of conversation, kind of listening to what a conversation is all about. And because, you know, we're all about texting, all about <laughs> all about uh, just just being on the computer, being on our cell phones 24-7, not really talking to anybody. So we are losing that, that social aspect. And I definitely do see that um, when I go um, out in town shopping or whatever, is that customer care, uh, customer services is just going downhill. Well, at least here in the stores here where I'm visiting. Um, and it is just going downhill. I'm just, I, and I, I want to chalk it up to um, to technology kind of, you know, this social media thing, this texting. Because people, I, I bet you I would get great customer service if I was texting them or if I was tweeting something to them, asking them questions. Great customer service. But when talking face-to-face, the, the smile, uh, service with a smile isn't there anymore. I think that's going downhill. And um, just, you know, a lack of respect. I, I'm not expecting, you know, really, you know, I'm, I, I'm nobody, you know, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm the same as anybody else. But if I were in their position, and, and I, I am in their position, because being working in the hospital, that's, 
definitely customer care. Um, I, you know, one on one, I call everybody by sir, ma'am, have a great day, giving them a smile. I don't bring my attitude, whatever my attitude is, good or bad. I, I always just bring a good attitude to my customer, um, to my patient, to my client, because what is that? They're coming to you for a service, you know, so. I just don't get it. They're coming to you for service, so you don't need to bring all that negativity or whatever it is um, that you have onto them. Uh, so I just, I, I really don't understand that, uh, where that's coming from. So just bringing it back is is that, yeah, all the, all the conversations that I have with my family and friends, I think it's awesome, and I'm glad that we do that quite often that we do have those conversations um, because, like I said, um, it, it gives me inspiration, gives me good ideas, gives me things to talk about. And I think that um, if we aren't conversing um, with friends and family, with people around the world, then, you know, it's going to, it is going to be a lost art. Conversation is going to be a lost art. And new ideas, new thinking is going to go along with it because, it you know you that's why people have different people on on their teams you know when they're on a project or something like that so they can get different perspectives and with those different perspectives new ideas can can pop up and so so really encourage people to get out there um and start talking about anything you know anything interesting and you know uh and also um so yeah um i hope you enjoyed this little talk and um hope I, my rant didn't uh, go on for too long, but I hope it made sense and got you thinking because, you know, that sense of community, it, it all starts with conversation. Uh, uh, you know, when you come, when you move into a new neighborhood or you come into somebody um, brand new that, you know, you're going to be coming across uh, quite often, it starts with a conversation. Hi, how are you doing? You know, doing well. So it's all about conversation that builds communities and when um, you build communities, uh, lives become much better, people are more happier, um, and, you know, you have that that awareness of everyone around you and that you're working together. So community, conversation, big thing to overall health and wellness. Um, that's part of the mind, part of wellness is the mind and peace of mind is a great thing that you can get through community. Um, but anyways, just remember, like always, the food that you eat, the things that you do, um, the exercises doesn't just affect you. It affects your friends and family and eventually it can affect the world because everything's interdependent. Thanks. Peace.